You're listening to the best of ITW, brought to you by PopGuide and WikiLeaf. The new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. On this episode, ITW welcomes Skycore pioneers Eddie and George Cassius of the Voodoo Glow Skulls. I think the first night we were there was that was the first one we did. And on the list that is is Voodoo Glow Skulls. That was the that first was the first one. one we did. Yeah, yeah, that was a great one. George and Eddie came out. Yeah, and. Uh, that was actually like a pretty cool talk because like they they uh they brought up a lot of stuff that like I didn't even know about. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. cool. Yeah. And they're so nice. They were so nice to like Best so friendly. Ever. Best dudes ever. Yeah. And uh they're brothers, but they really treat us all like family. So it's cool, man. And well, that Oh, sorry. Uh, and I just, I think part of that, if maybe just a quick backstory on how we connect Voodoo's Glow Skulls to you, like for you to hear stuff from them that you'd never heard before. Cool. I mean, you're yeah. with those guys all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. Five years now? Has it been five years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, having them out was cool. And uh, uh, I just like just hearing their perspective on California and LA and the, yeah. and, and the whole on the cannabis scene. You know what I mean? Because like, I consider them like, because in the '90s, especially in the '90s, you know, when uh, Voodoo was just smashing the but like planet. the Godfathers of Ska Core for those Absolutely. who don't know who Voodoo Glow Skulls are, and like, and uh, as far as like kind of cannabis smokers bands, like yeah, dude, yeah. Voodoo's one of them. Yeah, Cypress I can remember Hill, Voodoo. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they always were were kind of pushing the lifestyle. Yeah, I can remember the story in the interview when they were talking about. Um, uh, I think it was Epitaph was like, who do you oh, want yeah, your big yeah. full page ad with? And they're like, high times, like fucking high times. Like, yeah, dude, high times. I'm sorry. All good. But yeah, they're, they're amazing. Even like the, our, our icon, the voodoo man character, yeah. he's got blood red eyes because he's stoned. <laughs> and that mask was made by Michael Keaton, Batman mask maker or something like that. Yeah. Right. Somebody, I, I forget how they told me they met him, but uh, yeah, they knew the guy that, made the Batman masks or something like that. And they, they, uh, and he made that mask for them and they still, it's the same one still. It's been repaired wow. a couple times, wow. you know, but it's pretty rad. Our voodoo man comes out yeah. on stage wearing it. And when we played in Hamilton, yeah, Ben was the voodoo man that night. He wore yeah. the mask and came out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was cool. And we had dinner. That was, that was fine. So that was, Dude, we had dinner at your house. Yeah. That yeah. was cool. Made a you know, vegan spaghetti, I think with yeah. uh, zucchini noodles. Some really nice grilled vegetables. But that was, that's, that's wild. So it's been five. That was when me and Haley first got. So five years. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been so embraced by their fans. Dude, I can't believe it. Like, I thought, I definitely thought I was going to get a lot more hate than I did. Tough shoes to fill, right? Be, yeah, fuck yeah, fucking dude. I fucking crazy. love Frank, dude. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember the biggest hater I had, which is shocking because I didn't really get that many haters. There was a girl in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the whole time we're playing, I'd look over and she's at the front of the stage, stage left. And she's watching, and she's just like, every time she'd look at me, she had her arms crossed, and she's just shaking her head like, nope, nope. And I just kept smiling at her. And then uh, the show ended, and then after the show, she was waiting and trying to talk to the guys in the band and get them to sign something. And I saw her, and she or greet the band or whatever she was doing, and I was like, I looked at her, and I just go, hey, like that. <laughs> and then she was like, ah, she's like, I don't know about you. And, uh, yeah, and then I looked at her. Did you her. take that to heart? No, I just looked at her and I, I, I talked to her about it. I go, I go, I go. Come on, what's the big deal? And she goes, I've been into these guys for a really long time. And she kind of yeah. smiled, you know. And I, and I go, I go. How old are you? And I forgot how old she said she was, but I was like, I've been into them way longer. And then she was like, Oh. Yeah, I get it. And I go, yeah, I fucking love this band. Yeah, I get to do this now. And she yeah. was like, oh, that's cool. And then she talked, she talked to me, and the ice broke. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we're both fans. You yeah, know, like, yeah. like how cool well, is that? You well, know, like how that's can you awesome. That? Yeah, and, yeah. And I got really embraced. Another thing that helped me is uh, the, mis I, the mystery of the outfit. I think maybe yeah, the mask. Yeah, and uh, Eddie and George both told me when I got in the band, they're like, hey, dude, like so. You know the previous vocalist. He he wore the previous singer Frank, their brother uh, wore a mask. And you know, we want you to wear your own mask. But 
and develop your own character, but they're like, don't let them hate you before they hear you. Like there's going to be a lot of people out there on the road that don't know we have a new singer that didn't right. hear about it. And uh, it's kind of cool. I'd wear the mask and I would notice it like halfway through the set, I take it off and I'd see people just be like, what the fuck? Like in the yeah. crowd. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's kind of cool. And like, dude, you can't be mad. You were, you've been running in a circle for like four songs already or whatever. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And it, and it sounds incredible, man. You sound Thank great. You very much. You know, it's it's really that. sincerely, sincerely. And I put a record out with the band since, yeah, you, since so you put we a did record this with, episode. Yeah. Yeah. What's the record called again? Live in the Apocalypse. It's a little ah, snapshot of yeah. the pandemic. And so, yeah. yeah, we the record, I guess, would be like, Voodoo has always talked about some social issues and different things, but not as much as on this album. Yeah. And did you have much to do with that or was that more? They were really conscious about actually like trying to say something about what was going on mm -hmm. in the world. But uh, obviously that's kind of where I come from too, writing, yeah. writing wise. So it was a perfect fit, you know? Yeah. And uh, I had to find a balance between singing and writing and the traditional voodoo style and then mine. So that was a challenge, but it's cool, man. When you just got to like, you're, break of COVID, I guess, was you got to tour that album a bit, didn't you? Oh yeah. We finally like just did our first tour since everything shut down. We did a, a West coast, uh, tour and, uh, it was fucking fantastic. It's definitely different. You know, like I, I was telling bubs, we like, you hide out after the show and before the show. Mm. Yeah. You can't hang. Yeah. That's, uh, we played a few shows and that's exactly how I've been too. Yeah, we it just was, stay in our little yeah. our little rig by ourselves. Yeah, you know, I, the bands all isolate. Yeah, I, I I had to leave the venue altogether. I was just it wasn't so much that I was I, I don't think really afraid because I know most of the people that are you know are kind of reasonable about yeah. that all of that you know mo I don't want to you know get in the middle of that but you know what I'm saying like mm -hmm. I knew most people were like minded and probably vaccinated and things like that but it was just more so like the the. The, the amount of people, the amount of stimulus, like the state, like, you know, oh, like I, wasn't, sounds, I wasn't ready like, for it, man. Yeah. It was like, oh, it, definitely yeah. after being isolated. Yeah. The first couple of fests we did, it definitely gave me some anxiety. I was yeah. like, whoa, fuck. Yeah. It was wild. The first one we did, the first one back for Voodoo, it was a while back. It was still kind of early to do a fest, mm -hmm. but it was, uh, it was last summer in, Arizona, because Arizona doesn't give a fuck, you know? Yeah. But uh, we played it, and everybody was saying it like, oh, it's the punk rock spreader fest, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was such a shock for me, because we hadn't performed in a long time, and it was fucking so blazing hot. It's fucking Phoenix, Arizona in the summer, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, dude, we got out there. I forget how fucking hot it was on stage. Something yeah. stupid, like 110 degrees or something ridiculous. And... uh uh the anxiety and the heat mm -hmm. and fucking wearing that mask and the fucking whole dude, it, it was, my head was just like, whoa, you know, when yeah. you get a wobbly, you kind of get like a little tunnel vision at a point. Cause you're so hot. And then, uh, when we were done, I had to, I had to fucking, I ran behind the stage. I was so hot. I took all my shit off and there was a, uh, tractor trailer like that was on the truck that brought stuff for the mm -hmm. stage and it was super shady under it and i just fucking laid down under it because there's nobody could talk to me i was alone right. and i just laid down like a big x like in this piece of shade and just i had to like breathe calm down fucking it was like you're saying it was just overstimulating yeah it was, yeah it was, it was crazy incredibly it was, it, like overwhelming but it was dope you know mm -hmm. i was just like <gasps> you know like oh here's something that happened to me that you guys don't know about so and it still doesn't bend all the way i can't bend my finger down yet um we did phoenix a few some months later we did the denver show and uh it's epic right in downtown denver right in the middle of all the buildings it's really cool dude outdoor and uh so we had a layover on our flight in phoenix and then our flight got canceled to denver there was no flights that get us there in time so we rented cars and fucking just powered fucking like 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. So we get there the next day and fucking uh, we're like, all right, everyone will have exactly four hours that you can sleep at the hotel. Then we'll bounce the fest. We'll get loaded in. We'll fucking, we'll be late, but mm -hmm. we'll get there on time. Merch will go up late, whatever. But we can sleep a little. And uh, we're like, okay. All right, so uh, me and Eddie Voodoo were uh, roommates that night, and or a day. So we go in the hotel, and we both take naps, and then we both wake up, 
And Eddie's like, oh, dude, we're a little bit late. We, we got to go, man. Like, we got to get ready and bounce. We'll get there on time if we bounce now. Mm-hmm. So he runs in the bathroom to go take a shower. And I grab my jeans and I, I put both feet in first. I was like in a hurry. And I yanked him up with my left hand and it caught my fucking oh. middle finger on my right hand, jeans, and it broke it. Like, snap. And I was all, Ah, uh, ah. So it's it's almost better now. It was like in a cast for a long time, the the mm-hmm. finger thing. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh fuck, 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 fuck. I was, and then I got mad at myself. Fuck. And then Eddie's in the shower, like, what's going on out there? What the fuck? Like, I'm I fucking broke my finger. I fucking broke my finger. What? I was like, I'll fucking be right back. I ran down to the rental car and I go racing to a pharmacy I found on my phone to go buy a, uh, a splint. splint. Yeah. yeah. And so I fucking run and I pull in the parking lot and I'm all, ah, my fingers like pointed down. I'm all, ah, ah. I pull in, I open my door and a minivan just goes, boom, into my door. Oh. <laughs> Takes the door wow. out. Yeah. Yes, dude. And I'm all, fuck. I was so fucking out of my mind and I get out and this lady gets out and she's like yelling at me and I was all, fucking hold on. And I went in the store and bought a splint, went outside, fucking made my finger straight, put it on. I was like, ah. I was dying and this lady's yelling at me and like, dude, I had to deal with the cops and with the rental company insurance. And I'm like, I telling this cop, I'm all, that big fest in the middle of the fucking city. I go, I have to fucking play there. Like in a little bit, like, can we please do something to get me out of here faster? I'm all, what can Mm -hmm. I do? Can I call in this report? You know? And then I finally got out of there and our sax player, Eric simultaneously was get, got picked up by his homie, Josh. And then he was driving him. And then, uh, he got rear ended. They had to pull. Oh my God. Yeah. They had to pull over while they're pulled over. They got hit a second time. What? Yeah. Are these all people going to the festival or just our sax? Oh, um, no, they were just, people random yeah and so then he was dealing with that they finally got another ride and then they had to come pick me up and then they fucking scoop me up we get to the festival grounds and have them just drop us off on the street and we just start fucking running and we had to run to the this, we're like climbing up a fence like hey where did we come in and we had to go around to pack eight i got to the actual stage three minutes before our set wow and the whole band's up there like what the fuck dude you know, and you I was just, get a hold of yeah, and I had my finger I'm like, uh, you know, like what? Wow. Yeah. Like you couldn't call anybody because everything was moving so it was, fast. It was chaos, dude. It was it, so, uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, wow. dude. That happened well, in Denver, and the show fucking went off, <laughs> and nobody slept. Everybody was like, "Oh God, how are we gonna do this?" It was fucking rad, dude. It was such a good show. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that Voodoo Ghost Calls is, gets to keep going on, and I'm glad Hell that you yeah. guys seem to per- persevered, and it's nice to see you happy and doing what you Stoked, love again. man. We're already working and, uh, on new shit. Really? We're already working on the next one, man. So, so the, oh, the, the motivation is, is there, and uh, I get goosebumps when you said that. That's oh, so shit. exciting. Cool. Um, and yeah, so this is the ITW, uh, Best of ITW with George and Eddie Casillas. Oh, no. Casillas. Casillas, sorry. Yeah. Of uh, Voodoo Glow Skulls. And it was awesome to meet those guys. And I can't wait to see them again. And um, yeah. You got anything I can't else wait to see them again, too. I'm just jazzed to listen to it. Yeah. Here you go. Here it is. And uh, you said something kind of fun. Uh, you were saying something upstairs. You guys were saying about us, like you guys did. Oh, about the Epitaph record. With the oh, Epitaph. Yeah. When, you guys, yeah, like, when we signed Epitaph, um, and we were getting ready to release our first record, uh, Feedman, that was on Epitaph. It wasn't our first album, but our first album on Epitaph. Um, they asked us what we wanted to do with the advertising budget and some of the magazines we were interested in advertising our record in. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we told them was High Times. <laughs> yeah. And so we got a custom they, ad. They were, kind of, they were kind of surprised because, you know, I'm sure no one ever asked them for that. <laughs> and uh, we did a whole ad in high times for the feed album and it was awesome it was a custom ad made from by the artist uh, ken stansbury who drew the feed album cover he did an ad and it was the voodoo man basically taking a bong rip and <laughs> that's said, so rad uh, it said skip the swag go straight to the chronic and it said <laughs> feed man voodoo glow skulls feed album available in stores now yeah well what year would that have been that have been like 95 95 yeah it's been a while but yeah that yeah. was the 
that was the first ad. The f that's we we chose that to be the f the first promo ad. Was that you know mm -hmm. it was a was High Times Magazine. That's what we chose. That's so that, dope. That was where we put the first, you know, advertising money was in, ad was in High Times. Yeah, wow. To hit, our, to hit the demographic we wanted to hit. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, uh, let's get this back. So you guys, where did you, where did you guys grow up? Riverside, California. Riverside, uh, yeah. Born in uh, in West Hollywood, actually, kind of yeah, born down here, down the street from here yeah. At, yeah. at Kaiser, where the Scientology building is at. Yeah. Right, oh, yeah. Right, yeah. right across the street. Uh, I was born there. My two brothers were born in East LA, or actually, my brother George. I was, I was born, born in here. West Hollywood. Yeah, my uh, older brother Frank was born in East LA, and we uh, moved to Riverside. Yeah, as, like you know, as kids, and we're pretty much raised there since about eight, you're eight years old, ten years old, something like that. Yeah, and the band started in yeah. the same house that you were raised in. Yep, the band started in the same house cool. uh, in Riverside around 1988. Our drummer uh, AJ is currently lives there now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, and we do actually practice there every once in a while. So yeah. So, so the house is still in the family, or mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. We, we still own the house. Yeah, we still own the house. Oh wow! And that was your parents owned that house. That was just mm -hmm. yeah. That was our parents' house. Yeah. 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 And how, how old were you guys when you started started the band? How old, like how like when you guys started getting into punk rock and things like that? Oh man, uh, let's see. When I was a kid, this, was, is, this is how I, I okay. actually got into punk. When I was a kid, um, I was sitting on the curb, and the, the sick boys, one of them had moved into our neighborhood, and he lived down the street. That was Orange County punk rock yeah. gang. So yeah. so a lot of the sick boys were lingering around our neighborhood all the time, because they'd, be, they'd stay with him, and they'd walk mm. back and forth from the liquor store in his mm. house. So we had and, punkers in the neighborhood. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I was just sitting on the curb. Yeah. Punk you know, gangs. And, I was yeah. in we were in the metal. You know, we grew up uh, going to Iron Maiden and Judas Priest concerts and Motley Crue, all those bands. Yeah. And I was sitting on the curb with my skateboard, and... Uh, this guy walks up with the Walkman. I had a Walkman also. He says, hey, kid, you like punk? And I was like, huh? Just kind of looked up at him like, huh? And he goes, listen to this, and he hands me a tape. And I put it in my tape deck, and the first song that came on was uh, I'm Not a Loser. Yeah. Sentence. Oh, wow. And so we heard it from like a, like yeah. a punk rock mixtape yeah, that was given to us by like a Mohawk had, punker. And it had, the Vandal, awesome. it had the Vandals, Seven Seconds, Uniform Choice. And it had all like the singles, threat. all like the main songs. Yeah, like, and know. then a few weeks later, uh, we were at my cousin uh, Juan's house in uh, Orange County. And I started telling him about these bands, and he looked at me kind of like surprised. He took me up to his room, and he showed me all his albums. And it was all those bands. And it turns out that he was a guitar player in a band called Just Because at that time. It was like an old like Orange County hardcore that tour, band. Yeah. That toured with Minor Threat. That used to play with like Doggy Style and like Minor Threat and all those kind of seven, yeah, yeah. bands seven from seconds. the early hardcore scene. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just weird. We kind of got we we got in, it introduced because yeah. this this real punk rocker guy like from a gang walked by and gave gave my brother a mixtape and we, we heard uh, Descendants. I'm not a loser. And then, and then a few weeks later. Uh, one of our other cousins that lived in Moreno Valley, that's a neighboring city where we're actually almost the city where, where the shop's at, um, gave me a call and said, hey, seven seconds, uniform choice are playing in Riverside. Why, why don't you and your brother go meet, meet me there? So we went, and it was the Walk Together, Rock Together tour. And uh, that was our first punk show. And that was the first you know experience that we had. Mm -hmm. You know, with seeing a slam pit, all that kind of stuff. So that was like, uh, was I like thirteen and like fifteen years old? I guess mm -hmm. I, I was around fifteen. What's, what's, what's the what's your are you old? Yeah, we're 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 two and a half years apart. And okay, your your cousin Alex is Alex of Chain of Strength. Chain of Strength. Yeah, that's yeah. the basis of the Chain of Strength music family. It's it's wow. crazy. Chain of Strength, uh, a million bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, yeah, so we had roots. We had we had uh, we we had family that was part of the early. The early 80s hardcore scene i guess and we didn't yeah. really know until we you know like figured it yeah. out yeah. yeah we were discovering the same thing I, I think i think most kids at that age were i mean that was when i mean when the film suburbia came out yeah so we we got we we got introduced to punk rock by like a punk rocker that was was straight out of suburbia that was walking down the street that was part of the sick boys gang Crazy. With a mohawk, you know, walking that by at two p.m. or whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah and he gave my brother a tape and was like hey kid check this out and then we listened and somehow, you know, I want to say that I had, we had to been like, I was like around 14, 15. So about three years later, we started Voodoo Glow Skulls and we, and we covered that song, you know, like the Descendants song. Oh, shit. And then that ended up being on our, on, on our first recording that was like a, like a boot that, that ended up being 
being like a bootleg seat, like a comp CD yeah. of us, you know? So Voodoo so, Glow Skulls was, was the, the, your, your first band? Like that was the first name? That was... Well, that was the first, uh, I guess, band that did anything. I mean, we had like little bands that, you know, like play backyard parties at the most and maybe yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't put out like, like a demo or sure, anything. Sure. But our first real, I guess, real band that like actually did real shows and played recordings was, was Voodoo Glow Skulls. Yeah. Wow. Um, what was it like growing up in your household? Like, like, what was it like, especially like even how, how it was with weed, like was, was weed around? Like what was, what was your household like? It seems oh, like you weed, guys are pretty close. Weed, uh, well. Like how, how was the relationship with your parents and things? Well, my parents, they were, uh. Well, we, well, well, we got busted with weed. Yeah, they were pretty Catholic. <laughs> our parents were pretty, <laughs> well, like. Pretty, without weed, we'll, pretty, we'll, we'll tell you the story. Yeah, our parents were pretty straightforward, <laughs> conservative Catholics. Okay. Um, Mexican family. And yeah, kind of naive though when it came to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, like the way I started smoking weed is I came home in the fifth grade and walked up to the front porch and my oldest brother, Frank, who used to sing for the band, and his friend were standing on the front porch and they had a pack of marble red cigarettes in their hands, but they was full of joints. And they were smoking. And uh, I, of course, I didn't know what it was at the time. Um, and he said, here, put this in your mouth. <laughs> right? And he said, suck in. And I did, and I coughed. And he said, now you can't tell mom because you did it too. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we would uh, get weed from the guy that was smoking with my brother that day. We had a friend from Trinidad that lived across the street from him. And his parents were gone all day. And it was just him and his little brother at the house all day. So we would go there after school and wait for the guy to bring the weed. And we would sit at Salwin's house in the all afternoon and just get high. That, that, that was the beginning of the quest for herb. Like we from were, then on, <laughs> like it doesn't stop until you're dead. We were listening to metal albums. <laughs> and we yeah, we listened to Man and of War. We write, and we would write lyrics, like metal lyrics. And yeah. Like, I remember, we, like, we, I mean, we would listen to this one Man of War album that had like a 16 minute long, like, bass solo on it. <laughs> and we would, I'm sure it was dirt weed. Well, I don't even know what kind of, who knows, right? Yeah. Brick like, pack. Yeah, like red hair. We would, Smoke some some backyard boogie, and we would. It was our first time getting high, and I remember thinking like we were like on. A, it felt like we were like on shrooms to us. Like we were now, you know. What I mean, it was like we were like we were like you know. I mean, thought we were you know we we were seeing visions in the front yard, and then like yeah, you know, like listening to heavy metal music, and we were, yeah. we were, we were our, pretty young. Our, par our parents would leave for the weekends a lot, and they would leave our older brother in charge. So I'd get home a lot from school on a Friday, and I'd come home, and there'd be. Just bottles all over the table already. Dudes just getting high, you know what I mean? Like smoking weed. There, and my brother would be like, okay, the kegs are on the way. He would put me, Eddie, and our original drummer, Jerry, at the, at the gate and say, you guys are going to charge people three bucks to get in. You hand them a joint with that three bucks and a red cup. And that's what we would do. And, and my parents would be gone and... That that was our weekends, you know, with our older brother at our house. That's and amazing. It, and wow. eventually That's that, amazing. And eventually that turned into a band playing playing those kind of parties, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's pretty much, you know, how it started. You know what I mean? Uh, I I first smoked with him at a Motley Crue concert. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. Motley Crue shot at the Devil Tour. Wow. I want to wow. say like 1984. Where was that at? At the Orange Pavilion in San Bernardino. Oh. And I, this is my second concert. My first concert was Kiss and Motley Crue. What? At, uh, at, at Irvine Meadows. Wow. But I don't remember smoking that. I was like 12 years old. I think my brother was still a little bit protective. And then the next concert, though, was maybe that next year and a half or whatever when they put out the next album. And uh, I smoked a dipper as a sherm or whatever, and I had no idea. I was a kid. I got high, and I remember missing most of the show, kind of like standing by the merch <laughs> area, like seeing them, but kind of scared of the crowd and yeah. scared, you know, I was high on Sherm. First time I smoked was a dipper, you know, that didn't know what it was. And they went to the front row or to the pit area or whatever, kind of left me, you know, <laughs> but that was my first time. And then I kind of did, you know, kind of off and on, but I didn't smoke as much as the, the, these guys, not until we, not, not until we toured late, you know, like, 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 I think the mid, probably like the mid nineties mm -hmm. when we started going to Europe and going to Amsterdam. That's, that's, that's kind of when I got, back into it again, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, so, the first time. Oh, sorry, go ahead, please. Oh, uh, no, I was going to say the first time in Amsterdam was ridiculous because we had never been there. And uh, and I hadn't smoked in years because I, I, I had sworn it off. We get there. For a while. We, we get there and get we there. just go crazy. You know, we get there and 
we play the first show and everyone just goes straight to the cafes and just buys a shitload of weed and everyone comes back to the bus just with shitloads of weed mm-hmm. and then we play the show imagine back then you can't yeah. get it really anywhere yeah, yeah. yeah and we were texting your you know having to call your friend in the middle of the night or whatever yeah. it was back then and we played the show right and the next show is in germany and the bus driver goes um we're gonna cross the border tonight so you guys be careful with the weed right you guys might want to get rid of it actually i think is what he said and we got scared so we had him pull over and we dumped a bunch of weed you know everyone like i said everyone had bought a bunch of weed and then we smoked a bunch got all super high played the show got all super high again he warned us we smoked as, as much weed as we could you know before we crossed over in the german border we told him before we get to the border pull over so we can get rid of it right so we're just smoking a gang of it as much as we could he pulls over we get rid of it and we keep driving and you know some a few hours go by and like we go up and go hey man like when are we going to get to the border and he's like uh we've been in germany for a while now and turns out there was no checkpoint no <laughs> yeah you know what i mean so we ended up getting rid of everything you know, for no reason oh for no god reason, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah germany can be scary though man Oh, absolutely. Bavaria yeah. is not tolerant at all. No? No. No. At all. Did you have an issue? We got pulled over once, and I'm I'm not going to rat anyone out, but they had to eat something that wasn't weed. Oh, wow. Like a lot of it. Oh, wow. What, really? a butthole or something? Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was just like, ah! Like going okay. crazy the whole rest of the drive. It was oh, wow. pretty funny. Um, <laughs> you said you'd, uh, you'd sworn off weed. Well, we got, we got busted... Back then, we got busted. Like when, when we first started to even dabble with it, like we were saying, like you know, like yeah. thirteen to fifteen, mm. we got busted without weed. We got busted for supposedly smoking weed because a kid uh, ratted on my little brother or something, like in like in junior high. And because of that, we got all pulled out of our own schools <laughs> because this kid ratted on my brother who was looking Dude. for weed, like in sixth grade or something. Wow. So he he opens his mouth and everyone else gets pulled out of their class in their own separate school. I was like, in, I was two grades above him. My brother Frank was in high school and we all get pulled out of classes from diff- in different schools. Well, Frank was in a different school because we had smoked weed before. <laughs> no one had anything. What? So that yeah. was, that was our first time. That was like our, we, I mean, we got outed like, like, like super early. Right out of the gate. And I'd yeah, better, so I'd I was kind of scared off for a long time. My parents yeah. scared me for years until until later on. I mean, I, I mean, I dabbled in it, I'm sure, here and there, but I didn't really get back into it till, till like turning in like the late late 90s or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Go, going to Europe and all that. Yeah. Wait, 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 oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I had to go to like those drug correction classes. Uh, oh, wow. What were those like? What were you? Um, it was just full of a bunch of other stoners that would just go get high together on the break. <laughs> really? Yeah. And all it was was like, you know, they would, it was just like, oh, shit, I just gained that many more connects. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's so, brilliant. Everyone now. <laughs> tell us about that process. So you, so you got busted and then you went, like, did you have to go to a court and they, like a judge in front of all that kind of stuff? Or how did it work? Um, I don't quite remember. I, I just think it remember, was a school. I think it was. Yeah, I just it was a principal and like then make you, you know, hey, you should put your kid in these classes. Right. I just yeah. remember like my mom having to drive me like over by where his house is now, by this Target, by his house, and I would go in there, and it was like a class, and we would have. I don't even remember how long it was, or anything. it's like very vague. You know, I was young, yeah. and my memory's not that good. You know, mm-hmm. so, but it was. Like I said, you know, it was kind of funny because that's all it was, <laughs> yeah. was they tell you, you know, how bad drugs were and how bad yep. smoking weed was and all, you know, and at the same time, they'd give us these breaks and everyone would just go out there and get high and then come back in the class. Yeah. Then after class, everyone would, I'd notice, you know, people would, oh yeah, let's go to my house and then go get high at, their, <laughs> you know, at each other's houses and how did how did okay i want to know how how did you get the name voodoo glow skulls how did that uh, come to be a friend of ours our childhood friend uh jr fred thompson just, mm. just a homie mm. uh came home from uh a date at disneyland one day and came home with like a a skull necklace thing like it was like 
like in like a kind of like a Hot Wheels packaging. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, we were he, sitting at his house getting high. Yeah, getting high once again. <laughs> at my, and he's, he was like, "Why don't you guys call yourself Voodoo Glow Skulls?" And he had a packaging of a Voodoo Glow Skull oh. that you used to be able to buy at the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean store when you like get off the Went ride. Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a store there where you'd be able to buy like stuff that was kind of related to that, that type of thing, like kind of piratey themes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was like a white kind of like skull necklace, like kind of like a little porcelain thing that used to glow with like a black black choker. Nice. And it was a voodoo glow skull, and the and the packaging said like you know like creepy, scary, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, all that spooky. stuff. And uh, we just thought it would be kind of a cool kind of kind of. A, ambiguous name like you don't know yeah yeah like you don't know what it's gonna be it sounds kind of metal or punk or yeah yeah or, or like psychedelic could be yeah, ska. yeah, yeah, could yeah, be yeah. something else right so yeah we just thought it was cool and i think back then we were kind of into the la like the fishbone and like red hot chili like, like yeah like yeah the chili peppers yeah. james addiction yeah that was like a kind of like psychedelic like yeah like late 80s early 90s thing going on kinda anything goes so we were kind of anything goes band like learning we, i mean and, and we were young so we were trying to be like those three bands exactly if you ask me we were mm-hmm. that was a trifecta like in 1986 87 was the chili peppers fishbone you know yeah and the red hots or what you know so we were or janes i mean we were trying to be like those bands i guess cool. and then and then punk rock was also coming into play too of course or, or was there mm-hmm and then how the ska kind of stuff get in and then, you, then it's also like the kind of like the mexican culture sort of influence to how did all uh, that sort of come together well all the two tone era. Yeah, the two tone era had a lot to do with it because growing up as kids, uh, we listened to a lot of different types of music. And our brother, our oldest brother, went through his phases, and one mm-hmm. of them was uh, the two tone stuff. He was a mod. He was a mod. You know, mm-hmm. he went from like British metal to like bands like the Jam and the Specials and mm-hmm. Madness. And he, you know what I mean? he, he actually bought like a Vespa scooter and went through the whole nine. Yeah, yeah. So we were. We would get those LPs, and we were—I mean, we were 12, 13, 14 years yeah. old. We were and we, still on the metal, but we would still listen to that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whatever Frank would have, we would still dip into his stuff. Mm-hmm. Really. And uh, then uh, later on, Fishbone, yeah, came into play, and that was definitely another big part of our influence. That, they I led think, the way for multi-genre. Yeah, I think, kind of, I think yeah, that was the catalyst to us actually way. going, okay, we're gonna get horns, and we're, we want to take, gonna, yeah, like, yeah. how do we seek out? A sax player and a trumpet and a trombone. Like yeah. We were that. We were way into them. And, and, uh, and like I was into like, that's our main sky influence. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was into like punk and like still the the metal, of course, that we grew up in. Yeah. And then also then like all the thrash stuff that was going like Anthrax and like Suicidal and like fucking Slayer and all yeah, those bands. Yeah. So we kind of were like, okay, let's take kind of like what fishbone and the specials kind of do what we like out of that mix it with kind of like iron maiden and priest that we grew up with. we just pick the elements that we like yeah throw in some punk and make it in a sense almost like fishbone but let's try and do it faster and fast as fuck yeah yeah, yeah. it's not not that it's all about just being fast and playing fast because voodoo yeah, is yeah. much more than just that but i think at that age you know but at that age yeah we just wanted to be we were i get i guess wanted to be a little more aggressive a little yeah heavier you know yeah yeah, yeah. They have different influence. They have more soul influences. Yeah, than the well, you guys, you guys grew up with. We grew up with different influences. Yeah, it with, just so. we just right. thought like some of the traditional stuff is cool, but you know, like the sameness of of like traditional ska. I mean, no disrespect, but like it's kind of samey after a while. So we figured let's take the best rhythms of that. Let's take the, the yeah coolness of Iron Maiden or like metal that we like, like the may, maybe lead you know, like guitar leads or like heavy drums. And Gall- the galloping, yeah, you know, the galloping yeah, yeah. stuff, and yeah. then let's take the best elements of punk rock that we like, or like the melody of punk. Yeah. You know, we we just always kind of, you know, I mean, we're just yeah. influenced by a lot of stuff. The break, and then, the breakdowns of thrash, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and then which where were you guys like jamming? You guys like like parents' basement kind of thing? Uh, like, we, I, I actually we don't have before. basements. I, we don't oh have yeah. Basements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you come from, bro. Yeah, exactly. No, we Canada. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the best place. 
Yeah. It's um, all right. No, it's we love you guys came to my house that one time. Yeah, I can. Yeah, you were the voodoo man. Yeah, we ate at your pad. My house. Yeah, and and you were the voodoo man. You were the voodoo man that night. I was the voodoo man with you guys that one night. Oh yeah, you were the voodoo man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hamilton, Ontario. You to say house. I think that's what house. 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 Who's? You didn't say who's. You said house. I live in a house. I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know. Did I say? Did I say it Canadian? I don't know what he's trying to do. Oh. No, I don't think I don't think I didn't um, say anything. I just asked what you oh. said. <laughs> I, I told Ben once that the Mexicans and Canadians both say A, but they go like, hey, how's it going, A? And we go, What's up, B? <laughs> no, we, we, we no, we don't say hey, how we fuck. When are you gonna learn? Yeah, we say A too. <laughs> we don't say how you going, A. Like we, we say like, oh, that's a nice uh like uh no, that's we would nice, say eh? we'd say like uh it's warm out, like, eh? Uh, it's warm out, eh? Like the way Americans say, huh? A lot of Americans go like, <laughs> it's hot out, huh? I say like, it's warm out, eh? I know, huh? Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, see, it's kind of yeah. like Mexicans. Well, you know, when Americans are all like, eh, yeah, she. We say, we say <laughs> what do you think about the temperature? <laughs> you know? I don't know. If, uh, <laughs> I don't That's a know. good impression of yeah, Americans. Out here, out here yeah. it's more like, what's up, babe? Totally. Yeah. Totally. What's up, babe? Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> you're not, I'm not stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> when Bubba's not here, all of a sudden it's an open game to pick on the Canadian. I got to get him back. Okay. Get better, Bubba. I need another Canadian here. <laughs> I'll, I'll sick Brent on you. Yeah, you all right. Yeah, you don't have much backing doing, right so now. Did you guys you're start- all alone. <laughs> you're all alone. You're surrounded. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> did you guys start playing it back? Like, what was the first shows like? What were the as voodoo? Was like, how, the how did that shows? It was yeah. just backyard parties in front of our like our, our fifty to one hundred friends. I guess you know we yeah. were just in living rooms. Yeah, the first one was a living room uh, with some windows getting smashed and a you know like some drywall getting smashed. You know, like young high school kids slam dancing in the house. Yeah, you yeah. Know, those were our first shows. What? Our first our, our first dozen shows were that, and then. We we uh, graduated. Uh, we graduated to the lo- to to the local pizzeria that did punk rock shows, <laughs> uh, Spanky's Cafe. Nice. Yeah, and then that Leg- that's the legendary. first. Legendary. Yeah, we, there was like the start of like the the club that were like I think I think no 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 doubt kind of sort of made yeah. their comeback there. They were already like a local band mm-hmm. who had already established themselves like like in the L.A. scene and like the Orange County scene, but I think Spanky's in like 1988 was really where bands really got to hone their thing like they they would come to riverside and play everybody people everybody, from la would really? go to riverside yeah. all the time yeah and uh like spanky's became a thing that that was a precursor to the showcase theater in corona which which was the same owner who when he moved he moved to corona to, to people from Christmas. hollywood drive would drive to corona for those shows or drive to riverside for the yeah. spanky shows so the spanky those shows, shows were so legendary so wild like yeah. those venues man you could you yeah. could do anything man i'm gonna yeah. dive out of this balcony and yeah. grab on the lights so yeah fall. The, so, Dude, it was just so, chaos so the showcase theater was the was the club that came after spanky's which is with the, our first real club yeah the owner didn't know what was up like on his first club we were we he had like rehearsal spaces and we'd be rehearsing and he would come in from his office while we were practicing and go, hey, guys, uh, this band, this manager called me from this band called the Toy Dolls. They want to play the club. And do you know who they are? Do you know who they are? And we'd be like, uh, yeah. I told him no. Like, uh, <laughs> call him back. Are you sure? Yeah, call him back. So the guy was kind of naive to that. So yeah. He started booking, you know, he got hip and started booking all these bands from overseas, bands. All these from touring bands. Touring yeah. bands. And so we got to start playing with all these cool bands, you know, that would come through and not not only play with them, but go see them too. Like we got to see like all the cool straight edge hardcore band, Gorilla Biscuits. Uh, yeah. Instead. Yeah. Um, Agnostic Front. Agnostic nice. Front. All these bands. Sick, Sick of It all, all came through. That was like a, one of the big ones for me. You know, there yeah. was a, uh, the Sick of It All tour came on the uh, Blood, Sweat and... Blood, Sweat, and No Tears. Yeah, Blood, Sweat, and No Tears album, their, their first real record. And uh, yeah, it was insane to see that. Like the first scene bands from New York bands in my like no small, bands small like no town that's an hour away from L.A. that people mm. don't want to drive to from L.A. Yeah. And bands from New York are playing there because it's better than L.A. scene back then. You oh, know, there's, absolutely. There's a real scene. So we, yeah, I mean, we would get, uh, I mean, those bands. And uh, so we kind of cut our teeth watching bands that were touring. And, and at the same time, you know, we'd play there. And mm-hmm. kind of learn, learn the ropes. I guess you could say, and watch band, watch what bands do, and then that mm-hmm. that turned into a 
us getting offered a, a, a Mighty Mighty Boston's tour in 1994. We used to, uh, we, we opened up a record store too, like a, a like independent punk rock store. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Cheap guy music. We got a phone call to my, re- to, I mean, to my store at, at the time and it was the Boston's like a booking agent asked if, if we booked the Voodoo Glow Skulls. And it's mm-hmm. kind of snowballed from there. We got some attention from Dr. Strange Records, you know, like a like, in, like uh, an independent little label that had put out the first uh, the first Guttermouth album and the first Face to Face record. Yeah, and kind of legendary. And then he offered us the same deal, you know, like right around the same six months, I think. Mm-hmm. He's like, you want us to put out your first seven inch and then your first LP to follow, and then we did, and that was the Who Is This Is record, and mm-hmm. that garnered some attention because we we sold ten thousand like right off the bat. Wow, pretty quick, like surprising. But but I think all three of those bands were, are with a, I mean, we're starting to do that. Right? Hot man, yeah, that, yeah. I remember that was like an explosion. Yeah, there. it was like a trifecta, like, like on Doctor Strange yeah. Records, a little little yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. And then that we that that first album got us the attention of an of an employee uh, of Epitaph okay. Records, and then he would play our record, our first album, like in the bullpen, which is like the Epitaph Records, like mm-hmm. the like the main little office where like the A and R types would sit mm-hmm. with like the. Like Brett Grew was a president and all that stuff. And at the same time, and Tim they would, from Rancid was, was telling Brett mm-hmm. kind of about us, but he didn't mm-hmm. know that it was the band that the intern was playing every day in the office. Oh, wow. So they were getting it from yeah. both sides because we just had a new record out that was kind of doing pretty good. And That's dope. Then we got a phone call from Brett from, from Bad Religion, man, and said, hey, is this where the Voodoo Glow Skulls are? It was, had, a, it was Eddie, at a record store. Eddie had a record wow. store at the time mm-hmm. called Cheap Guy Music um, that he had... You know, he had a few different locations. Like we moved like three times, something like that. Um, we would pretty legendary. Home, we had record store, record store where we would do shows in the back. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we would do like all the hardcore shows and like mm-hmm. legendary hardcore yeah, it was shows. Really cool. Yeah, a lot, yeah, we a did lot of some cool stuff. We did like a lag wagon show, like a propaganda show. All Strung when those out. bands are doing their first the fat, tours. You know, yeah, the first yeah. Fat Bit Records bands would come and play for their first records at our store. Uh, Propagandi came and yeah, played. Yeah. I love Propagandi. Uh, that Propagandi. might have been like the first U.S. tour, like that kind of stuff. Like wow. the yeah, first, yeah. I mean, if they played our our little, our small record now, store, that's saying like they were. What know, was the party culture like back then? Like around that, that, that those scenes and stuff like that. The back then, party drinking? scene was was everything, especially on the West Coast. Oh, where we yeah. lit, where we yeah. where, where we were, we we'd get these guys that kids that whose parents owned ranches and stuff like that. There's a lot and, of land out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they would yeah, fly the, the fuck out of their backyard parties, and they would get literally, you know, like thousand people i mean we would play these legendary yeah we we played these legendary parties called the pig fests i I was at pig fest too remember the cops started shooting rubber bullets at everybody well we we i delivered i i I worked in a screen printing shop i was young and i was making their t-shirts and i delivered your shirts to that show and the show gets shut down right when you show up oh yeah oh yeah i remember the the cops were shooting rubber bullets in the crowd they were shooting rubber bullets i was all they like (laughs) little vw bug like yeah yeah they were trying to leave like yeah they sprayed the whole crowd yeah what it was like a riot it was like a riot there was Rule sixty two played. Show. Yep, it was um that was pig. Played that was pig fest too. That kind of yeah. it, it kind of didn't happen. Yeah, because of all that. But uh, who yeah, would have played that? Pig fest one. It was, was a it was, was like a, whoever was around like the the mid nineties. It was like yeah. uh it was gutter mouth, the little skulls, di face to face. Yeah. Like, wow, kind of like orange. The County first Punk. one. The first yeah, one. Yeah. The first one was a little bit. I think it was the first one was just us and gutter mouth and some other local bands, and that was in this place called Smallyville. Mm-hmm. Which and it was, was just like a backyard. It party. was this guy who who had a couple sons, and they had multiple buildings and bars, and they owned all kinds of shit. You know, mm-hmm. they owned a park, and mm-hmm. that's where Pig Fest Two was. Was in the park they owned, mm-hmm. dude. And it's by the Prado Dam, which is like a big area out here. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was at the other brother's house, which. What's what's they called Smallyville, mm-hmm. which basically was a tweaker brother, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had like four houses on this loca- on this property, mm-hmm. and they were just all tweakers living in it. But the one brother went to the tweakers brother's house and put a flatbed truck in between two of the houses. Wow! Put kegs in one of the houses and set it up like party style, festival style. And we played in between these two houses on a flatbed. And just went to town, and People man. were on the roofs of both houses, you know, partying through all that, the, on the whole property. That was the first pig fest. So I think, wow. I think that, the, you know, like where we're from, you know, since there's more land and more space, we, there was a lot of big parties. It were like, you know, mm-hmm. giant, giant backyard parties. That, so, you know, cops would. There'd be a thousand people coming, watching punk rock bands in a backyard with, 
a bunch of land and a bonfire and <laughs> a, bunch a bunch of kegs, kegs and you know wow. w- w- one home on the land and, and or something like that you know all through the inland empire all through the high desert yeah there was a huge scene and all the, some of the all the raddest bands and people like dude people drove far to go wow. to inland empire shows even even like even all the way out like into the the high desert like yeah. out to victorville and all that i remember yeah. driving out there to the fly theater or which whatever is kind of weird now i mean it's kind of ironic now you get Coachella is like the biggest festival in the world, and, and it's out in the it, desert. It's in Indio. It's yeah. yeah, like the escapism of it. You know, you go yeah, that guy, that guy like it used a... to be not cool to drive the Riverside, and it still isn't cool for I guess if you're in you know like in the heart of Hollywood or something. But uh, people now it's cool to it's drive to go it's there. Cool to drive to the to, yeah, i.e. to the Inland Empire to yeah. see a show. Yeah, that guy. Yep. Kind of, he kind yep. of my bro- our oldest brother threw a festival in a park in a local park. Yep, and had a bunch of bands play it. And uh, the guy kind of watched my brother kind of put together like a festival. Oh, wow. So then they did a second one together kind of. And then that guy just kept on. He got a hold of, he went to the university and got like a room, like a hall that the university rent out for weddings and stuff like that. And he got them to let him start doing shows there. And that's where he kind of got his team together that kind of does Coachella now. Wow. Um, now, well, that started Coachella, let's say. Now I'm yeah. sure it's morphed into a whole different sure. thing. A lot of the same people are still working it, but it's grown into such a beast that, you know. But the guy that, yeah. we, we, we were his first club show, his first flyered, like, punk rock yeah, rock yeah. show. Wow. And that guy, he's the main booker at Coachella. He's yeah, one of the owners yeah, he of it. He does a stagecoach, and you know, those, are, those are his... His baby, you know I mean? his, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So it's interesting how that happens, man. He started off in the small scene, you know, yeah, yeah. doing that, and then raves, shows. and then he graduated oh, yeah. with that. Yeah, those yeah. backyard parties were like raves, kind of cut his teeth with punk shows, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The best shit always does, man. The best shit, oh, like, yeah. like the biggest shit, so, like, they're, like it usually, like even art, everything yeah. like that. There's always it, like there's. Oh yeah, he used to be a skateboarding or like punk or like really yeah. solid rock and roll. It usually yeah. comes from you know what I mean? on true. some level. But, but it is true. The, the guy that does Coachella and Stagecoach. Used to be a hardcore kid. He used to yeah. be pretty rad. Or at least comes from that. Yeah, comes right. From that. Yeah. Comes from the so, punk scene. He cut his teeth, you know, doing punk shows, and he actually he did the work. You know, he... he, he same well, punk, same with the like, Golden Boys guys. That started off, you know, oh, yeah, some, some of the same people. Punk and hardcore in its purest forms are, are like the anthem of the counter thinkers. Like, or they're like, you know, like the people like who are the critical thinkers, I should yeah. say. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's really where it comes from. So it, it makes a lot of sense to me that that people kind of grow up into being, or think, you know, well, I guess grow up because we all everybody kind of gets into it as a kid. But you grow up into being uh, like more creative, and it takes a lot of create like creativity to be like even to be successful. Like even on a level like Coachella, like there's a lot of people who try to do festivals, but it takes the really right creative mind that's kind of also has the business sense to really make that worth. Like whether that's creativity oh, yeah, within yeah. like, and you have to think you know, out, outside of the box type, type of thinking. Oh, yeah, right, let, me, let, me, let me give you an example yeah. of, of Bill, the guy that created Coachella and Stagecoach. Okay. When I was a kid, I used to hang out with them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. On one occasion they said, okay, they gave us a call and said, Hey, meet us at this house. And we showed up. It was a bunch of younger skaters. Mm-hmm. We jump in the back of a truck. They, we go up into the hills of this construction site. All of a sudden, we're loading all this plywood into the back of these trucks. Drive it down to another house, and then they start building the ramp. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. You know, we just took it a bunch of wood from a construction site yeah. to build ramps. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then another thing, on another occasion, he's like, okay, meet us at this location. So we show up at this warehouse uh, by where all these auto body shops are and stuff like that. And he's got kegs, and he's got a DJ. And we're charging at the door, and he uh, <laughs> so he charges all these people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, he has these kegs, makes a bunch of money, and around ten o'clock, he's like, "All right, we're out of here, dude. Pack up." And we take off, and he fucking gets on the phone and goes, "Hey, there's a party going on, or whatever." And fucking turns out that it was just a warehouse he fucking broke into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, we're already gone with the money down the street. You know what I mean? Like, wow. Shit like that. You know what I mean? When we were young kids, wow. you know? Like, wow. Like, really cutting his teeth with shit like that, you know? Like, yeah, that's crazy. Another example in that circle of friends, which was kind of funny, is they show up to this other party and they had broken into an abandoned house that someone was trying to rent or something, you know, two story yeah. house. Same thing. Got a couple kegs, charged at the door, and then after they had X amount of money, just bounce. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Later. Yeah, well, crazy shit. You know, those guys, they 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 were doing, you know, what they had to do, basically, yeah, yeah. just to 
But it seems like it seems like all of you guys like that's that seems like a, well I mean the more I kind of learn about the way you guys actually grew up like we we saw you know Voodoo Glow Skulls from the like the peripherals like just like this fucking massive beast of a band um, and, and it's interesting but I, I like I think that's kind of also kind of stems from just you guys kind of being in this area growing up in this area like there's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of like. And I don't want to sound like negative because I love this area, but like you go, you go around and you see a lot of people trying to be famous and you see a lot of people not succeeding at it. Right. Yeah. And so what would that create? You're going to create some sort of, well, I guess what you guys created, like the, I'm, I'm having a hard time articulating, yeah. but the culture that's here and the culture that the counterculture that you guys have all created, um, is, is very, um, like the, the yin and the yang to the existence of the area right. in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? My point with, with totally makes sense. Guys, my, my point with Bill and those guys though it's is kind of like anti Hollywood, but it is. They kind of did, but it's yeah, also absolutely. a little bit like it's also a little bit. <laughs> it, a little bit Hollywood it has to coexist, you know. You yeah, have to be part of it. Yeah, in some and, ways. Like, yeah, that makes sense. One hundred percent. Voodoo's a trip to me because the whole backyard scene and all that. Mm -hmm. Like Voodoo went from the backyard scene to playing with like Incubus. Like, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Like, how do you graduate from the backyard to that? Yeah, that, like doesn't that doesn't happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. And how 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 was that? What's that like? You know, what does that feel like? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? You're on the radio from the backyard scene. Like, that's fucking cool. That's very California. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah that's a California that's, thing to happen. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really. It, it was meant. It, I mean, it happened, but it, it seems like it, that kind of stuff wasn't wasn't meant to happen. We had a, just a taste of it too. We weren't even. You know, I mean, we got signed and kind of got the the love for those few years you know what i mean and mm. i mean i'm i'm proud of the records and it, it i mean i think it's i mean we're i'm i'm proud of it and i think we deserve what we got to that yeah. at that point yeah. you know what i mean i mean we 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 worked hard uh but still it seemed like it was like do we belong there even getting getting played on k-rock for 60s yeah. like we we charted on on uh the biggest rock station in the world for 16 weeks here and <laughs> it kind of didn't do much except forget except for help us get played for 16 weeks it didn't feel like it helped us much else you know what i mean yeah, yeah. still ended up being like an underground ska punk band or whatever right uh but it was cool to be a part of it for a minute to be like oh why is it those people looking at me oh it's like yeah they know the song they heard it they hear the yeah. song and then they're like that's the dude in the band for just we we got a taste of that only you know that yeah. was only like a felt like it was for a season you know what i mean yeah like, yeah, 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 yeah. Felt quick you know what i mean and then the rest was just like oh Keep your integrity and be playing your own, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, we felt like we mostly kept a lot of our integrity intact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somehow, still, even with being, you know, back then was like the the age when people called like cried sellout. That doesn't exist right. anymore. Yeah. You never hear that anymore because it's not it's not an issue to sign to a major label because even though they exist, that doesn't really exist anymore. Now it's like a feeding frenzy. Voodoo, people are just always money. Kind of, Voodoo always kind of ignored that sellout thing, and I think it's because you guys came from metal. Yeah. You know what I mean? That didn't exist because Voodoo's in TV commercials. Yeah. Voodoo's on, on TV, and, and on you know, Netflix, you're, on you're exactly on right. The, the Luchador. A, you're one of the first people to actually show. To, to bring, I mean, to make that point, it, you you ended up singing in the band, which yeah. makes sense. It, 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 makes sense. It, it makes sense that you get it, though. Yeah. That's exactly the way we always, I at least personally, always felt about it. It's like, well, we're going to go up there and play with these punk rockers. That I, I feel like I'm part of it. Like, yeah. I'm. I'm I'm very much DIY. We came yeah. from that, you know. We know. I mean, no one could, I mean, could deny that. But when a lot of these guys were talking shit about our, stuff that we we love, I love. Big, yeah. I like big yeah. shows. Who doesn't want to play on a big stage? Isn't, and just, not that yeah. our show isn't the most extravagant, yeah. big, big like production, but we definitely aim for shoot for the stars, even on, on a small level. Oh, yeah. We want to have a show for people. We want to have something, even a backdrop, some, uh, you know, like some. Like an intro, like a mascot, something extra, yeah, something different, fun, yeah. you know. Different things. That's what we grew up watching, so that's what we want to create. That's what we you know, Absolutely. So we, we always had that air about us, to be fair, where it's like, well, we kind of don't give a fuck about the I feel like about yeah. your scene so I much. I feel like if Voodoo could, we we would have a show like Iron Maiden. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if you we, know what I mean? If we had the budget, we would. How did the head, the, 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 the Voodoo monster, like what's his name again? Oh, that was made, yeah. the, the Voodoo Man, that was Voodoo made by the same artist that did the Batman mask, right? Part of the team for a part, this guy that was on the on the Rick Baker team. He worked uh, on Alien. He worked on uh, mm -hmm. Batman. He worked on Planet of the Apes and Batman. Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just made us the local, local guy from where we live. And he uh, he made the Voodoo Man mask for us. You know, we commissioned him to do it, and he was. Totally Did he come up with the design? Like, cause it's kind of got that rat thing vibe. No, no, that was that was Ken Stansbury. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's a local Riverside artist. That yeah. uh, that's direct influence from Ed Roth and all the rat. Yeah, rat the rat thing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He just came up with it. Yeah, that's kind of. 
what he envisioned in his head of the band. Like well, he was actually influenced by uh, by another drawing, though. That drawing was influenced by somebody else. Uh-huh. To be fair, tell tell me if I'm wrong. You said that that, that the album cover, the Freedom Man record, yeah. like like it, it uh, that was painted in a pool, and it's a photo of it or something like yep. that. Yeah, it's a big painting. It was actually a big painting. Mister Brett ended up buying it for his office. Oh, wow. But it's a it was a big painting that a, that a guy named Ken Stansberry did, a local artist from Riverside, um, uh, specifically for the album cover. He did it like in a pool, like an abandoned pool, um, right at the Life old, Arts building. Life Arts building, Riverside Old. It's a building. it's a historic building in in, in downtown Riverside. That recording That's studio. A, Ed, uh, Gabe Roth has his recording studio in it actually. Oh wow! Um, yeah, wow. Gabe is the guy who produced uh, the Daptones, Sharon Dap- King. And okay. Oh wow! Uh, Sharon Jones. And the Daptones, yeah. and uh, he's, he's the bass player right of that band. He yeah. produced Amy Winehouse. Um, he uh, his he studio, this, this yeah, he was, he actually toured as our front of house uh, sound guy on that when we did a tour with the Offspring. Wow! So Gabe Roth, the guy from the Daptones, who produced Amy Winehouse, the big the, the, yeah. the back in black album or whatever. Uh, he lives. He he he's he's a he's a Riverside resident, and he's friends. He's a childhood friend of our of our of our original sax player, and. Uh, when he was in NYU uh, film school or like sound school, he had asked if he could do a, a tour with us to kind of like cut his teeth and sound like live sound and uh, went on tour with us and uh, did sound for us on the, when we supported oh. the offspring. That's yeah. cool. And he ended up being the guy who produced Sharon Jones. It's crazy. I mean, he started a band with her and, what offspring tour was that? Yeah, what was, what voodoo kind of, tour was uh, that? Ixnay on the Ombre tour, which I want to say is uh, 1999. Yeah, it was kind of the okay. beginnings of all that for him. Like, while he was touring with us, he was kind of ta- talking about it a lot, how him and his friends were doing that. Yeah, you know, I think that, they, were, they were pressing the first seven yeah, inches all, out then. and like They were all like like students in New York, you know, going to, to, to music, you know, art school, you know, uh-huh. music school. Uh-huh. That's cool. In New York. So that, you know, cool. that's kind of how he created that whole thing. So Yeah, but that was a... The, the the album cover was painted in the abandoned pool of the Life Arts Building, wow. which is like a pool that was built in like 1910 or 1920s or something. And mm. uh, it's a historic pool, like one of those scary old pools that you'd see yeah. like in the, like American Horror Story or something. Like that has that vibe, like old, creepy That's cool. pool. And, and uh, they, they, they let artists paint paint in, in the pool. Like they used to let them uh, like set up their stuff in like, like in the actual like em- wow. em- empty pool and yeah. painted really it. cool. Yeah. He would he would go there, you know, whenever he'd feel, you know, I guess inspired. influence inspired Fired. to go add more to it. Mm-hmm. He told me like the years later that he would just go there after he mm-hmm. party basically at two three in the morning, just hammered, mm-hmm. and just sit there and stare at it in the creepy ass pool at fucking three in the morning. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. with That's a cool. fucking spotlight on it all creepy. <laughs> And yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's still there. I would, it, wow. I mean, the building's still there, but I wonder if, it, if the pools is being yeah, used or what, what cool. happened to it. But it, uh, it's like an arts colony. Like they have, there's like Gold's Gym in there now, which is weird uh, in, in the basement of it. Yeah, there's but an they, RC track in there. But there's an RC track in there. There's they used to let artists like live like live in lofts in there. You know, I think they still do. There's and then, recording uh, studios in there. There's recording studios. Those people that there's paint ballers. in there that have their paint. Wow. Riverside's an interesting city because, from what I understand, place. before Palm Springs existed, Riverside was like the hideaway for the movie stars. Yeah, the it was, uh, there's a part of Riverside that's it's like the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, the houses are incredible. I mean, oh, yeah. and, and it's and it's it's beautiful. And then the whole Mission District. I mean, it's yeah, what, so much history. What, one of the uh, movie premieres of Gone with the Wind was. Uh, held at the Fox Theater, which is like, you know, I mean, the Fox Theater is like most Fox Theaters and most downtowns, yeah. you know, the big, nice historic theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Mission Inn, uh, the famous hotel there is like a famous kind of like mission style hotel. Every president that, ever stayed there. Yeah, there's been uh, almost every president has stayed there. I believe a couple of American presidents, one was married there or had his honeymoon there, like Ford right. or Nixon or, you know, somebody like mm-hmm. that. So, wow. yeah, they had, it, there's definitely some history there. Cool. Um, so, yeah. so hold on, I'm gonna hop in here for a sec. Um, so uh, I, I, I got to know. So how did you guys start to decide, to, or how did you guys decide to get into cannabis, like as a, trying to as a living, as, as as well as being musicians and stuff like that? You know, well, uh, mostly because of our, our our friend brought us in. Our, okay, our, our, our friend Steve, who who owns this shop and owns this uh, lifestyle brand, uh, sponsored the band. Uh, he, yeah. he he started sponsoring me about ten years ago with with the shirts, basically. He, yep. He uh, he'd send me a bunch of you know like swag, you know, hats and shirts and all that stuff. I'd wear stuff on the road, and then uh, little did I know that on the down low he was doing his other business. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which you know then I guess it wasn't legal or it was you know 
Yeah, yeah. There was dispensaries, you know, but it was strictly medical, and that, and that was the beginnings of all that. And he was one of the guys that fought his way through it all. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So, uh, so you guys felt like a kinship to him, to kind of be like, yeah, and then we want to do this with yeah, you. We want to back then, you up. Kind and of then, and then to be honest, uh, he was already established in it actually, and uh, he just he kind of asked me one day to come in as a vendor, mm-hmm. and um, I started coming around the shop. And then, cool. and then it started with I a voodoo glow skull strain of weed, too. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, started, cool. I started voodoo OG, the voodoo OG, mm-hmm. and the voodoo monster, which yeah. was a sativa. And then, uh, we did that. And then, after a while, he's we started getting super busy, or he's his shop started getting super busy. So, he asked me if I wanted to just come in house and start working there. Oh, wow, cool. And uh, he brought me in, and I just I've been there ever since. Oh, amazing. Um, and so you guys are super active again. You're touring a lot, right? Um, yep. You know, I saw you guys last summer in Hamilton, Ontario, where I'm from, and you guys are constantly busy, and, and I know all kind of that stuff. And you guys have, like, you guys have, right, like, music on coming. It's already out? We're working on a new record. You're working on a new yeah, record. We, we yeah, have a lot been, of it done. Yeah, we've been slowly but surely working on a new record. I mean, things changed a lot, of course, with the band lineup, and right. we mm-hmm. honestly didn't know if we were going to be a band, you know? Mm-hmm. But all life life happens in a weird weird way and uh we fell fell into working with our friend at you know you know i mean i mean for our friend's company right when our brother retired from the band and right when we thought we weren't going to have, have a band ephraim offered to step in mm-hmm. and it changed things for the band and in a well it's, in a, i've heard it it sounds fucking awesome yeah it's, i mean it's great. It's, it, okay. in a positive way i mean most people would think you'd be done you know when the original singer steps away after 30 years or like 29 years but we fulfilled some some commitments and it went real well and we kind of can't get away from the band as well which we don't want to of course mm-hmm. but it, it's a weird thing you know it's like i have to admit it was a hard we thought it was going to be a hard sell i, yeah, I guess yeah. i should say but you know you lose the lead singer of a band that people are used to hearing yeah and, and but f, uh, f and, and i'll say this as, as my homie like f like uh, even friends at home are like you know like f like i remember having to be like yeah. fm's you know taking over for for like the voodoo's he's yeah. gonna start singing voodoo's and I was like, my one buddy homie he plays this band monster truck and he's like well well that makes sense actually and i was yeah. like yeah it does yeah, cool. yeah that's, you know the, I mean? that's like, the one thing that's that, cool. that, that makes sense and uh i mean thankfully was i mean was in our favor is like people i mean most of the attitude was like well i can't think of a better person that you guys totally. would get like i i mean yeah. i mean the situation is unfortunate and some bump some people out i'm sure i mean come on yeah. yeah how do you look at your fans in the face and tell you know it's a hard thing to yeah sure do, but which has nothing to do with 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 the rest of the band you know right. i mean someone's this is i mean we can't make someone's decision for them yeah. so that that being said we you know it changed things in a positive way and things have been going real well and we're just kind of taking it as it comes, you know. We we had a record that was mostly or partially written with an old lineup, so it put us yeah. in a weird place where we have to like kind of pick up the pieces, so to speak, sure, and figure out what. So that's where we're at now. Is like we, we we've done a lot of the, we've we've continued to to work on the record with Ephraim, and then now we're at the point to where I think we want to write. I think we want to write some songs as a this band now because we yeah. kind of picked up the pieces of an old record that we that yeah that, sure i mean that i i mean that i mostly wrote to be fair i mean there yeah. are a lot of my songs but um still you know we want we need to go back and and basically well, write more songs I mean, yeah. with this lineup well, and then it, add to it and, and you're probably excited it's exciting creatively you get like sometimes when you get, get something thrown into the mix and it's like oh this is really working you yeah. kind of want to take oh like, what right. was, what's this guy gonna do we, with these old these oh, older yeah, ideas and, and, and things like that and, and we've been playing a couple yeah. new songs live every night yeah, 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 yeah. Now, right. getting the feel now yeah, each other. now we have a different lineup so and we've covered a lot of ground now with this lineup you know we've been yeah. we've been a lot of places with that from all right. over the world yeah, yeah. and yeah and now we've gotten used to this lineup so we've kind of decided, well, let's just pick and choose the best of what we've already got with the last line about in the recording side of things. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, what's, we, what's up next? We, what's well, going on next? Well, we've been work, uh, slowly working on on some music, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think I think what we were talking about is is that, and uh, we're playing new songs live, which we just we wanted to get back to just being a, a band and plays new songs live before they record them even or, be, mm-hmm. or before you hear right. them mm-hmm. like kind of old school you know what i mean instead of putting mm-hmm. out something that, that then then hearing it live we've been playing a few new songs and kind of adding new songs slowly but surely just to to work them out live mm-hmm. to where 
take the opposite approach where you used to see a band and then, then you can't, couldn't wait to hear those songs recorded. Yeah. They could be because yeah. like, you saw them live for a few years, you know? Yeah. So we're just taking that approach, kind of having fun with it. Uh, the next thing we have is June 1st, Camp Anarchy yep. in uh, Thornville, Ohio. Um, giant three day punk rock fest, uh, Rancid, Bad Religion, The Damned, Sick of It All, Voodoo Glow Skills. We're on uh, June yeah. 1st, uh, Death by Stereo. Playing the, the next the, day, uh, for the third Friday, the, the May thirty first. We're on the June first, the Saturday. Is that is that right? Or are you on the next day? We're on the next day. Oh, you're on, you're on you're on the last I, day. I think we're on the day with the offspring, okay. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So guys, and so we're gonna wrap this up because I know you guys got to get going. Thank you so much for making the trip out here. Thanks where for can we find where where can we find Explosive Online? Explosive Online. Yeah. Uh, just look up uh, Explosive International. Explosive International. Yep. And then uh, where do we find the Westside? Uh, what's the Westside Collect? Uh, Westside Collective. Collective, sorry. Instagram. At yeah. Instagram, Westside, C-L-L-C TV. Um, you could find us on, on Weed Maps and most of the... What about, yeah, where, what about most the band? Of the re, most like, of the re, resources. The Westside West one's actually uh, westside.cl. Okay. Uh, CLL dot, or CLLC TV, sorry. Okay, cool. And then the, where's... The band? How do we, uh, the band? The band is... Uh, at Glow Skulls on Twitter, uh, VoodooGlowSkullsOfficial.com on the, the for the official web website, uh, VoodooGlowSkulls on Instagram, and then we also have a Facebook. Awesome. See you all in Ohio at Camp Anarchy. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that's thanks so I, much. And thanks, we're, hey, we're, thanks, I'm gonna try thanks for letting me be in the band. And that, we're gonna and, do then, <laughs> and then we'll also be on tour with the Reverend. The Reverend Horton Heat will be supporting the Reverend. We can't announce just yet, but we're doing it. It's coming. We're doing the other part of the country. You're gonna try. The Ben's gonna try the. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try this out right now. I'm gonna try. We're gonna hang out. He's gonna try this out right now. Explosive brownies. Explosive brownies. Here we go. Explosive Industries brownies. Paris, California. I am just going to stay for legal reasons. I am not being paid to do this. I'm just going to eat a fucking brownie, guys. Thank you so much for coming onto our show and telling us how you guys got to the weeds. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Voodoo, voodoo, voodoo. Fuck you. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, guys. This episode yeah. was presented by Potguide and WikiLeaf. Please follow ITW on Twitter and Instagram at Get Into the Weeds. You can follow Ben Rispin at Ben Rispin. You can follow Ephraim Martinez Schulz at F by Stereo. And me, Bubba Nicholson at Bubba Nicholson. ITW's theme music was written by Jacob Bergsma of My Son the Hurricane. Visit them at www.msthofficial.com. Special thanks to our friends at Puff Digital, Program Skate and Sound, and the Slide Bar in Fullerton, Orange County. Sound engineering provided by Roman Marconi at Halo Studios Hamilton. ITW was created by Ben Rispin and is produced by Master Volume. 